0: The coronavirus has changed many things for many citizens around the world, but does COVID 19 bring a new normal? I say no way. Join me for some perspective on where we are and what comes next on this special episode of Therefore What? Therefore What is a weekly podcast that breaks down the news while breaking down barriers, challenges you in the status quo, explores timely topics and timeless principles, and leaves you confident to face what's next. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor for the Deseret News, and this is Therefore What. Well, the novel coronavirus, uh, along with an earthquake in Utah, have changed many things for many citizens. Countless declarations have been made by those citizens, by government leaders and media pundits on what has happened and what comes next. But far too often, the term new normal has been improperly invoked, in my opinion. Schools have closed and students learning from home, new normal. Restaurants and bars only open for pickup and delivery service, new normal. Social distancing, definitely a new normal. Restricted international travel, new normal. How about working from home? Yep, that's a new normal. And the most tragic of all, no sporting events, no concerts, no large gatherings, all new normal. Well, it's the phrase that seems to be everywhere around the world these days. Whenever bad news is delivered or a change in our current behavior is required, anyone can simply say, well, this is just the new normal. So how about that? Are we entering a massive new normal? No. No. It's not a new normal. It's just a new now. Let's talk about why. Now, to be clear, this isn't to minimize the impact of what is clearly a serious situation around the world. We are experiencing some mighty changes in our daily living. The new now, however, not the new normal, is the right and proper way to minimize the angst, the stress, and the fear of all of it. One of the greatest challenges, I think, uh, with the current things we have facing the country And the world, really, is the uncertainty and anxiety that arises in the absence of proper perspective. You see, the new normal commentary suggests that things will continue the way they are in perpetuity. And if you buy into that kind of thinking, you're much more likely to panic instead of prepare. You're more likely to react rather than respond and be driven by fear instead of faith. So remember... This is really important. It's against the laws of nature and nature's God that a storm continue forever. Even the fiercest winds, even the most violent storms eventually subside and stillness follows. A moment of calm, a moment of confidence comes always. The most resilient of beings, human beings, adapt and move forward one new now at a time. So finding and even creating the stillness in the present is important. And it's possible. We can do this. While stillness in the perpetually uncertain is almost impossible. So let's look at some examples. One example is found in those who experience significant pain. So a back injury, a a cluster migraine diagnosis, or a cancer-related chemotherapy can be life-altering pain prognosis for the patients. And it's important to remember that pain, whether that's physical pain, mental pain, emotional pain, it's often presented to the sufferer as, well, this is just going to be your new normal and the horrific stress of sensing or believing that the current pain will continue forever as is, as the new normal, that can be absolutely overwhelming and entirely depressing. So rather than pursuing the old model of a new normal, where you mask solely by potent and even addictive medicine, a lot of pain specialists are now incorporating meditation and mindfulness into their treatment. These kinds of techniques, I can tell you, can be learned, And they can be added to a holistic approach as a way for pain sufferers to be more present and better functioning in their new now. So, for example, a a sufferer can experience pain in the new now and still show up for their son's piano recital or for their daughter's basketball game. In the new now, they can feel the worry of paying medical bills along with their mortgage and they can still give their best to the current customer standing in front of them at work. But if the sufferer only focuses on the new normal of chronic pain, man, they'd they'd never have any moments of meaning, even in all the possibilities that get presented to them day in and day out in the present. See, it's about being here now. It's being present to the moment that matters. One of my favorite moments in the New Testament is when Christ and his disciples were on the stormy and raging sea. The disciples are frantically racing about the ship, trying to control everything while attempting to save themselves. And soon, as is often the case, they became weary with emotional fear and physical fatigue. Those are two enemies to us in any kind of crisis. So in our day, during difficult times, chasing, mental or physical, often exhausts us. The mental gymnastics is absolutely exhausting. It causes us to stress out, give up, or cave in. So in the context of the current coronavirus, we see this manifest in in a lot of different ways. In manic buying, massive misinformation sharing on social media, the hoarding of supplies, Uh, it's also seen in irritability, hopelessness, and depression. Now, returning to that biblical account, after the disciples had so exhausted themselves through their frantic efforts, Christ arose and simply said, Be still. Be still. And I have always felt that that declaration was not talking to the wind and the waves. He was talking to the disciples He was, in essence, saying, be still in in the new now. This is going to pass, and we're going to journey on. So the lesson was to to be still in the new now of the current crisis. It's a skill we all have to learn. Now, another applicable example, easy to understand, would be when the star quarterback on a football team gets injured in the first quarter of a game. If the team starts obsessing on the new normal mindset— If that were the case, players would be focused on things in the future that they simply cannot control. They could start questioning, man, what are we going to do about next week's opponent? Or they could panic about the big rivalry game a few weeks out. Or they could be worrying about their pending playoff chances. All of those would prevent the team from performing in the only moment they can control. The new now. If, on the other hand, they embrace the new now... They could actually rally around the backup quarterback. They could exert some extra effort on each play, and they could compensate for the quarterback's inexperience with good strategy and the skills of more seasoned players. So living in the new now puts us in control of our emotions and ensures we focus on the things we can actually do today. You see, it's, it's difficult to rally to a perpetual new normal because it's so exhausting to think about things being the same forever. But people can wrap their heads around the idea of rallying to take on a new now. We do it all the time. So, yes, school will restart. Healthy communities will be restored. Restaurants will reopen. Sporting events with big crowds will thankfully rise once again. High school dances, international travel, religious gatherings, high fives, and even big hugs will all resume. So while suffering will be present in what feels like, I know it feels like, a dark and pretty discouraging national and international moment, a magnificent, forward-moving morning of stillness and newfound strength will follow, bringing with it yet another new now for all of us to embrace. And it's so important for us to make sure we get the right perspective. Uh, I often talk about this idea of having the right perspective on perspective. Some of you know that uh, growing up, I, ha- I had one major obsession in my life. One thing I wanted to do more than anything in the world, and that was to play college basketball. And starting in the seventh grade, I put in the time hour after hour, sometimes eight, ten hours a day, uh, working towards that goal. And when I got to my senior year in high school, things were looking pretty good until my right shoulder started to wear down. And my right shoulder wore down to the point that it would pretty much dislocate whenever it wanted to. I don't know if any of you have ever had that awesome experience of waking up in the morning on one side of your bed uh, only to see your shoulder is clear over on the other. Uh, not good. I went into the doctor and uh, got it checked out, and the doctor kind of shook his head and said, yeah, we're going to we're gonna have to do some major work in there. And then he was just brutally honest, and I was not ready. He said, Boyd, your chances of coming back and playing competitive basketball uh, are somewhere between slim and none. And so, of course, I was devastated. It was so not fair. I'd spent all this time, put in the work, paid the price, and he was telling me it was over. And so I did the natural thing. I went into denial, tried to just, you know, play my way through it. Uh, but, of course, my shoulder just kept getting worse until finally I just, there was no choice. I had to have the surgery done. Uh, and I remember, I remember one night I was uh, sitting down in my room in the basement uh, feeling very, very sorry for myself, and the phone rang And it was a a gentleman who lived in our neighborhood, Hugh Pinnock, uh, very well-known, well-respected in the community. And he invited me to come over to his house. And I had no idea why he would want to talk to me or what he'd want to talk to me about. But I agreed, jumped in my car, headed over to his place. And I I got to the front door. He met me there. And uh, no handshake, no smile, no thanks for coming over, uh, which was his norm. Uh, He just turned around. And we walked back into his den we sat down, and he told me this story. He said, a long time ago, there was an old man who lived in this tiny village, and the only form of wealth he had, his only way to provide for himself, his only form of wealth was his horse. And one night in this little village, there was a big storm. lots of thunder, lightning, the horse got spooked, and as it raced around the corral, it broke through a gate and ran off into the desert. Well, as often is the case in these kinds of crises, uh, the next morning, the citizens of the little town were going around assessing the damage from the storm and they got to the old man's home and they saw the broken gate and the empty corral and the people of the village said to the old man oh this is so awful this is so terrible here you've you've lost your horse your only form of wealth your only way to provide for yourself what an awful what a terrible thing but the old man looked at the people and he said no you don't know this is so bad you don't know this is an awful or a terrible thing well the days went by and one night the horse returned brought with it 50 wild horses that had been running without in the desert the people of the village came back to the old man's place and now they were saying wow this is so wonderful this is so great now you have all these horses all this wealth you'll never have another worry what a great what a wonderful thing but the old man looked at the people and he said no you don't know this is so good you don't know this is a great or a wonderful thing well the old man had a uh, young son who was one of the great young warriors in the village he'd spent a lot of time perfecting his skill with a sword and a sling and One day as he was out breaking in one of those new horses, he was thrown and his leg was crushed. Never again would he be able to use those skills he had worked so hard to develop. Again, the people of the village came to the old man's home and said, oh, this is so tragic, how awful. Here this great young warrior is now crippled. What an awful, what a terrible thing. But the old man looked at the people and he said, no, you don't know this is so bad. You don't know this is an awful or a terrible thing. Well, it wasn't many days later that the cry of war was heard throughout the land. The warlords came through the village, gathered all those that were able to fight, and led them off to a very terrible battle. And that was the end of the story. We stood up. I got escorted out of the house. I was told to remember the story. Got in my car, started to drive home, trying to figure out what he was really talking about. I was sort of waiting for the uh, the great Paul Harvey to come on my radio and tell me the rest of the story. But that was the story. So when I had my surgery, as I was laying in that hospital room for a few days after, and as my friends and family and coaches came to visit, they all began the same. They said, boy, no, this is so awful. This is so terrible. You've worked all these years, spent so much time practicing, and it's over. What an awful, what a terrible thing. And without even thinking about it, I was responding, no, you don't know this is so bad. You don't know this is an awful or a terrible thing. And truly, it wasn't. Uh, In fact, it was one of the best things that ever happened to me. Because it was during those long hours, those long days of recovery and physical therapy, that I really had a shift in focus. It created the opportunity for me to set some new goals and focus on some things that were a heck of a lot more important than making baskets or winning championships. And it forever changed me. It changed who I was. It changed what I would strive to become. Now, the reason I share that story with you in this special episode of Therefore What is positive Perspectives a choice. Uh, We're in the middle of some pretty challenging times, to be sure. But when those time comes, what are we going to do? Are we going to murmur or are we going to ponder? Are we going to join the group griping and pity party and woe is me and this is so awful, this is so bad? Or are we going to find the opportunity that's within it? There's always something there in that new now. So maintaining a proper perspective, it's a skill. It's one that can be developed. It's one we need to make sure we develop and foster in our children and grandchildren. And it's, it's way more than just an attitude adjustment. This is way more than just looking for the bright side. It's not about putting on a fake smile. It's not about looking at the world with a glass that's half full, half empty, or rose-colored. Uh, it's not about glasses. It's about us and what's going on inside. And so it's important to remember that in the face of daunting, difficult, challenging times, we just might not know at the beginning if they're good or bad. We certainly know they're tough. We certainly know they seem overwhelming. But framing our perspective properly can be a first step to moving forward in the new now. There just might be an opportunity in the midst of these very ominous times and experiences. Therefore What? As we look at this uh, Therefore What, this special episode today, I want to give you three things, three Therefore What's that I hope you think about, that I hope you take action on in the hours, days, and months ahead. First, look for the helpers. Uh, The late Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers to most Americans, he gave his young viewers some really sage advice, as he always did, as he laced up his sneakers. Uh, But he did this when dealing with difficult situations, such as a pandemic, for example. His words are really poignant in the current situation, which has already changed and impacted all kinds of things, as we've been talking about, sporting events to concerts, religious gatherings, medical visits, weddings, funerals. All of those things have been changed for the moment. We have a new now. Mr. Rogers told his television friends in the friendliest neighborhood on earth, he said, when I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. And I tell you, I have seen that over and over and over again in the last few weeks and months as people are doing the extraordinary. They're making a difference for a neighbor in need. They're really reaching out. They're being creative and finding new ways to reach out, to touch people, to make a difference in so many different ways. It's an important skill that we need to make sure that our children and our grandchildren develop because there really are always helpers, whether it's first responders and medical people, whether it is just a good neighbor, a faith leader, whoever it might be, good friend. There are helpers everywhere in these kinds of situations. Second, we need to look for the leaders. This is a great opportunity to see what real leadership looks like. And again, it's an opportunity to help our children and our grandchildren understand what leaders do, who they are. And so we should take time to ask our children, hey, if you were in charge, what would you do? If you were the leader, what would you say to calm people's fears or to encourage them or to give them confidence in the future? We need to engage in those kinds of conversations. And finally, and most important. We need to be the helpers and be the leaders. That's a big therefore what. So in a time of challenge and uncertainty, we all should look for and acknowledge the helpers and the leaders. But most importantly, all of us, every single one of us, in whatever way is possible, should be the helper and be the leader. As we close out this special episode of Therefore What, I want to share with you some words from Rabbi Yosef Konefsky from Los Angeles, he provided a brilliant therefore what in the form of what we can do in these challenging times. He said, every hand that we don't shake must become a phone call that we place. Every embrace that we avoid must become a verbal expression of warmth and concern. And every inch and every foot that we physically place between ourselves and another must become a thought as to how we might help. Remember, we're not entering a new normal. It's just a new now. Having the proper perspective on perspective is really what matters. And make sure that today you do something that makes a difference. Remember, after the story is told, after the principle is presented, after the discussion and debate have been had, the question for all of us is, therefore what? Don't miss an episode. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcast or wherever you're listening today. And be sure to rate this episode and leave us a review. Follow us on uh, Deseret.com slash TW and subscribe to our newsletter. This is Boyd Matheson, opinion editor for the Deseret News. Thanks for engaging with us on Therefore What?